I hope everyone had a good 4th of July 2021. Welcome to episode 13, which is also episode one of our preseason shows. It is a personal favorite of ours. Enjoy. Doesn't it seem like everybody and the mother has a podcast? Oh, oh, so I started a podcast with my mom. We wanted a theme song so you could sing along. The show it starts now. Two. Okay. So. So I'm Rick Sorkin. I'm Sharon Koppelman. And welcome to Everyone and Their Mother Has a Podcast. This is our first episode. We're going to figure some shit out as we go along. Can you say stuff instead of, you know, shit? I could. Okay. <laughs> like now? <laughs> yeah. We're going to figure some stuff out. So are you <laughs> suggesting there's no cursing on this show? No, not at all. There's no cursing on this show? No, I'm not suggesting that at all. But shit is not good. It's just could. it's kind of a little, could be a gentler way to start. So we're going to figure some stuff out. We'll talk about some things. You might like that stuff. You might not like that stuff. You might not give us stuff. But <laughs> okay, we're here to it. talk about whatever it is that we want. I've got a couple ideas, but I'm mostly reminded about moments where we are together, as we have been throughout certainly all of my life. And uh, it usually is you turning to me and saying something that people wouldn't really believe. Uh, and when I tell them, they don't. They don't actually believe it. They think I'm I'm writing material. You mean they don't believe it came from your mother? Yes. I mean, Without they, even knowing me? If they know you, they're a little more inclined to to accept it and expect it. But if if I'm just telling a story and they don't know you, which shockingly some people don't, uh, they ask me to repeat it or I'll recognize that it's uh, that it's out of the norm. And so, like, for instance, uh, this past Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, we're in at the synagogue and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are two of the highest holidays. Yom Kippur is especially solemn. It's a day of atonement. Um, if you're not familiar, it's basically a year of confession uh, crammed into one, one day and a half fasting situation. And um, not giving Jews food for a while is definitely a way to make some cranky. It's very cranky. You're going to out me in the synagogue story. I'm going to out you in the synagogue story. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't cranky, no. No, but it was a very, and it was Rosh Hashanah. It wasn't Yom Kippur. It was a week earlier, and it was, it was, but it was still a very sort of solemn feeling, and the rabbi was speaking, and there's a lot of, um, you know, silent meditation and reading of prayers. And uh, my mom, uh, you turned to me, and you said, uh, you whispered, as we're all reading to ourselves silently, do, um, do you like Drake? I said, what? Oops. What did you say? He said, Drake, do you like Drake? And I said, yeah, I mean, everyone likes Drake. Why Why are you, what does this have to do with Rosh Hashanah? Never, never mind, I'll tell you later. And now I can't stop thinking about Drake. So I lean in again, no, 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 now, now I want to know, why are you, why are you bringing up Drake? I just love him. His voice is so great. Silence. All right, mom, what is going on? Why are we talking about Drake at Rosh Hashanah? I just wanted to know if you liked him. So now I'm supposed to focus again back on whatever the, whatever is going on about the uh, Israelite plight 
out of the uh, uh, out of Babylon into uh, Zion, and uh, I said, "No, really, I really just want to know why you're bringing this up." Well, I wanted to know if you, uh, the casino gave me two tickets to go see him in Las Vegas. And I wanted to know if you wanted to go see Drake with me in Vegas. Silence. And uh, of course I want to go see Drake with my mom. And I feel like Drake would uh, would appreciate that. There's only two things he loves. What are they? Um, helping people and his mother. Oh, his mother in his bed. <laughs> <laughs> you put me on the spot on that one. <laughs> Right. That that is correct. Okay. Right. So I feel like going to the show with your mom would be a pretty pretty Drake move in and of itself. Now, um, what's what's wrong? Well, we we didn't go. <laughs> no. And the other thing is, um, when you said what's it all about, I might have said, well, I I love Drake. I love his music. But I think what I said was, I really love Drake. I love his music, and I. And I love that he walks up to people on the street and gives them money. So he got a budget. He got a budget for his video. His yeah video music video yeah of a million dollars, and he turned it into cash. And he walks into the park. He walks into the playground and sits down next to a a woman and her child, and she turns around and says, "Oh no!" and starts crying. And he says, "Yeah," and he hands her a pile of money. A pile of money, um, like in Goodfellas when um, the wife wants to go shopping uh-huh. and she says, I'm going shopping. And her husband says, how much? And she holds up her thumb and her forefinger and shows a space of like two. Nah, make it three inches. And he hands her a pile of money, three inches high. That's what it reminded me of. Anyway, he walks up to people and changes their lives. Life-changing money, yeah. And you're referring, of course, to the the video for God's Plan, smash single off of a, off a scorpion, and it's life-changing money. It's true. He's wonderful. He is wonderful. So we will get to go see. So Drake. it does really relate to the holidays because it was about um, tzedakah. It well, well, yes. Some tzedakah is not that simple, but yes. It's about caring and giving to other people. I think some tzedakah is not that simple. It might be the title for this episode. Well, tzedakah is not um, giving a donation to somebody who needs it. It is it is knowing that there's no real such thing as ownership. We don't own land. We don't own the air. We don't own the stars. But we enjoy them. And if we're lucky enough to have access to them, we can share the land or or warmth or wealth to keep people healthy so that's what sadaka it's not maybe not the best explanation but it is sharing the opportunities that we have there is a charity aspect to it which is helping those out who are less fortunate it is totally charity but it's it's a little bit turning the corner it's not saying well i have money and i have enough blankets that I can give some of them away. There's Mm. really no such thing as ownership in the term, in, in the concept of owning something, which leads me to something else. The American um, native Americans did not trade land for a handful of beads. They had no concept of ownership of land. How could you own something that comes from God? What they didn't understand was why was somebody giving them beads for something that they could have just used anyway yeah i learned at one point in, in 
a business school class I did not uh, love that some people's definition of a, a good business deal is when both parties walk away, each thinking they got one over on the other. And indigenous people and, and pilgrim trade was both parties walking away, you know, <laughs> this motherfucker, <laughs> these guys, I can't believe this guy. That's there was the that. other word. Yeah, yeah, you can't use that word That's either. the other word. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> they both walked away thinking they they had the other party had no idea what they were doing, and it's true the idea of owning land and or trading they, it, and they yeah. really didn't because they were just coming from such different cultures. Yeah. All right. Well, if we can't use that word, we can't use Native American either. I can't use Native American. You can't not use what it. is it now? Indigenous people is is more apropos. What does indigenous mean? From that place. Basically from, or originally from. Yeah, like uh, it could be used like, uh, the palm tree is not indigenous to California. I know, I read that. Yeah. Or First Nations. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, the best part of uh, alien contact will be in one moment, the entire world focusing our attentions on the new them not the current them. And if we can make sure people don't react with <laughs> extreme, uh, you know, fear, there will be an us versus them. And all of a sudden. Before we're pulverized. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would think that if they wanted to pulverize us, we wouldn't know about them first. We'd just be gone. So if we, if they arrive, it was intentional. And, uh, it's not impossible. We're seeing stuff in the solar system, outside of the solar system this week that we've never seen before. Like every day we're in a place that we've never explored and setting up mechanisms to explore further. Just saying. Okay. So um, you, all right. It makes me think of the painting that I did recently called When We All Move to Mars. And I really <laughs> like the painting and I, but I, I don't want to move to Mars. I'm hoping we could make this planet last. I really don't want to move to another one. I don't think... I don't think you're going to move to Mars. Good. I think it's a fine a fine thing to be not interested in. Now, if you were to move to Mars, I think the new colony would be benefited by your presence. And for the most part, I hear I hear a lot of this, a lot of like, you know, NASA and SpaceX and you know, private space missions and this, you know, China just got to the dark side of the moon and all these space related things where people say that exact same thing. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to go to space. And typically, my answer is a little different than what it is for you because I think you would be quite good in it. But usually, it's like no one's asking you to go to space. We're talking about best and brightest. They're taking a little bit from here, a little bit in there. Most people who are like, I don't want to go to space. Like, yet yeah, no one's inviting you to space. We're talking about building a utopia, and you can't even get off Instagram. Like, you're not. We're not inviting you to go there. But if you were to go to space and set up a colony. Imagine you could you could charter a new constitution. You could like make it however you want. I think I'd rather just stay here and I was going to say deal with what we have, but ignore some of what we have. Yeah. Mars quakes. Mars quakes? Yeah. It's like a seismic event. It's so cold there that as it exp expands and contracts, the whole planet has a ripple effect, much like our plate tectonics. But the whole planet at the same time? Not necessarily. I mean, theoretically, yes, but there are you know, quakes, but it's not Earth, so they're called Mars quakes. Okay. 
And our plate tectonics, you know, like different shelves that move, they don't have plates. Oh, it reminds me of um, before I lived here, I was here visiting you and there was, we were- Earth, you're referring to? (laughs) California, we were in Westwood and there was an earthquake that morning. And I always call you on the morning of your birthday, right right around the time that you're born. Um, you almost always answer the phone. <laughs> and there was an earthquake. And when I spoke to you, you said, are, are you okay? Or you're not freaked out, are you? I said, no, I'm fine. It was an earthquake. I got it. It was an earthquake. And you said, actually, it was a birthquake because it happened right about the time that I was born on my birthday. Trademark, 2019 Rick Sorkin, birthquake. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You you were not scared, scared at all. You weren't scared at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it's not earthquakes. It's fires. It's not fires. It's famine. It's not famine. It's I mean, it's like crazy out there. But I think this is the best of the... The best of the crazy. I think it's quieted down a little bit. Do you? Yeah. I'm hopeful. Yeah. We'll see. Um, while we're talking about space, do you know how many miles it is from here until you leave the atmosphere? Meaning gravity. Well, I would. I would. I would say what I think, but it, you know, I wouldn't want to look foolish. So I'll tell you. I'll think about it. You tell me. <laughs> Yeah, it's not intended to show I know that you that. don't know something. Um, 300 miles. Okay. Which is like not a far distance. I understand that. I, of... I don't want to I don't want to go into space at all. <laughs> How about the moon? What if it was a short trip to the no, moon? No, 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 no. No. Okay. No, I'm 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 I want to stay here. Yeah. The people that do go are going to be true pioneers and colonists in the truest sense. You know, a lot of the fear around going to space for some people is um, the idea of, could I come back? And it's like, well, n- no. You, they can't? Oh, well, it you takes technically too long. could, but that's not really what colonization is all about. Got it. Like, Once you sign up. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. Did your great-grandparents go back? Exactly. I'm like, no, we're going to the new world. Got it. Yeah. You should go knowing that you're going. Yeah, it'll be weird at first. Oh, it, you think so? Well, because <laughs> like, it'll be built like in stages, but like, imagine like the biggest prefab house neighborhood you've ever seen. So like, they'll just drop different things. So at first, it'll be like this a few people and a few places to go. And then over time, it'll be, you know, I feel like a city with like a daycare and a school. And and then people can complain they're immigrants moving in and it's overcrowded <laughs> and there's not enough stuff for everybody and it, they don't want any more people there. Right? Yeah, pretty much. Right. <laughs> Great. That'd be a funny immigrant tolerance test. How many batches of people get there before they're like, no one else is allowed here. This is ours. Probably the first, right? Probably the first crew. <laughs> yes. Yes. And really, where where are the, these people going to go when they get ticked off? The far side of the moon? No, they have to stay right there. That's why, like, astronaut training is so psychological. You That's a problem. You can't just, like, freak out and be like, I'm out of here. Well, they had some, there's some program that they're looking for a couple to travel together. A couple of what? People. 
oh. a human couple to travel to Mars. to Mars together. Yeah. And they did like a whole selection process because the craft size is like basically being like in the front seat of a Toyota Camry for <sighs> like two years together. Oh. And so, and they picked a couple. I think it, I think they hit this criteria where they're like, they're both scientists. She's, she's finished with, with childbirth years. They're like all these like random elements had to come together for the perfect candidates. Two years? 18 months. Inside a spaceship? Maybe it's six months. Many it just months. feels like two years. It's six months, <laughs> but it feels like two years. Right. <sighs> and then, and then you're on Mars. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No. And then what do they do when they get there? Probably a lot of testing. Samples, treadmills, zero gravity flips, selfies, FaceTime back home, drink water upside down, try to plant <laughs> things, fend off aliens, try to figure out the incoming signal scramble, uh, ping pong, sleep. That's all I got. That That was good. <laughs> Thanks. Horrifying the ideas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Netflix. <laughs> Does that change it? Does that change anything? <laughs> it would help. You could when you leave, you can start the office from the first episode, and then uh, four days later, be finished with it. <laughs> and then, the time, of course, is tricky. I think a Mars day is not dramatically longer. I mean, on the spaceship, something about the, you know. The, the time, the human human um, aging process is different on the spaceship. It slows because of gravity. So things aren't pulling down and the orbits are longer. So did they send this couple? I think they selected them. They haven't left yet. They should do this before they change their minds. Or they could send a bunch of couples up who are like, will they or won't they make it? And then it's like a reality show. <laughs> it becomes a game show, so a TV do like, show. It's like... <laughs> Bachelor in space, 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 space. And then, like, uh, as people get voted off, they're rejected. <laughs> they <laughs> like escape hatches. <laughs> they catapult them into space. <laughs> Bye. Everything's not a TV show. You sure? <laughs> There's a lot of channels on. Hmm. Hmm. Well, good. I'm glad we talked about space. Now we don't have to do that again. So I I got an email, and by the way, I've cut down my emails a lot, uh, and I've cut down my online subscriptions, my notifications. What do you mean you cut down emails a lot? So you stop reading them. I I've unsubscribed to many things, and instead of having the newspaper sent to me in an email every morning, which was how I was beginning my day, I have an app, and I read. The, I still read the newspapers part of them but when i'm ready to so mm. i don't open my mail in the morning and go oh no oh no oh really it's not a, so i've cut that down you know i'm off do you think do you think there's some people who open that same article and like yes yes <laughs> all right mm, awesome mm, oh oh well yeah deregulation on environments yeah, yes <laughs> well i do understand i do understand but i think that every i think that base if I had to say, I guess that it causes more anxiety to people than than um, feeling of confidence. Mm -hmm. um, not just that issue, but generally, 
I've cut down a lot, but I did get an interesting an interesting one the other day from Instacart. It's the 2018 Instacart recap. It has a lot of colorful drawings and tells me how many millions of people they helped and how many hours you save by not shopping. And the interesting part is it shows most shopped items. And I thought most shopped items, they're going to tell me what I bought the most of. So there are eight items that show up right away. I won't ask you to guess, although that would be a fun game. The first one is says you produce bananas. I do buy bananas every week. The next one is breakfast Cheerios. You don't eat Cheerios. I don't eat Cheerios. The next one is bakery, nature's own honey wheat bread. Do you eat that? I've never heard of that make. Wait, I, hold on. Is it, are they suggesting this is your top no, items? No, they this didn't the suggest that. It, it says most shopped items. So I think it's the most shopped items you. that come up on most people's lists. Wow. The fourth one under pantry is Heinz ketchup. Now, you might remember that I always had Heinz ketchup in the house. And I do. I used it often, not as much as mayonnaise. Um, but I used Heinz ketchup and I stopped using it because it has high fructose corn syrup in it. And I did buy a natural ketchup that doesn't have that. And I realized that I never use ketchup. Never use ketchup. Well, that's not true. When we go out to dinner and Joel orders fries, or even sweet potato fries. I always eat them. And if there's ketchup on the table, sometimes I use it. The next one, beverages. Guess what's the most shopped item on Instacart under beverages? It's not water. No, no, it wouldn't be. Well, soda, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Very good. So I do drink Coke and it is my soda of choice. And I probably do drink i used to drink one in the summer but i don't think i've had maybe two years it's been since i've had a coke i once in a great while there's nothing like a cold coke especially on the east coast on a real hot summer day so i don't buy that snacks (laughs) frito-lays variety pack chips the next one is pizza not just pizza but a specific pizza frozen elia's DiGiorno, DiGiorno rising crust pepperoni frozen pizza. DiGiorno now I do eat. Rising. That's good. Sorry. That's good. I do eat pizza. I love pizza, especially a thin crust, but <laughs> I never eat pepperoni. I'm kind of pointing out the likelihood of any of these being on my list is very, very low, except for bananas and Got household it. paper towels. I, I do use paper towels. You're outside of the norm. But not that many. Oh. Oh, right. Of course. Right, like um, a lot of people just drink soda instead of water. Many people do not drink water. Many people do not ever, ever eat vegetables. And if they do, they're forced to or or tricked into it. How do you trick somebody into eating a vegetable? You put it in their smoothie. You make them zucchini bread with a stick of butter. Um, Oh, zucchini bread, right. Put them under general anesthesia and and use it in an IV. (laughs) Or their kids are being told to eat your vegetables or you can't have dessert. So you and your brother liked vegetables. It was not a problem. But I once, there was some, must have been brown rice. I don't think either of you cared for brown rice. So I made a brown rice casserole with vegetables and some yummy sauce. And I called it Big Bird's Casserole. Brilliant. 
you didn't go for it. <laughs> Neither wow. of you did. That's clever, though. That's really I was clever. like, but it's Big Bird's casserole. Did you know they were going to send Big Bird into space just to bring it back to space? <laughs> this is true. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Children's Television Network. How did you manage to Jim Henson, put my Big Bird story? Oh, well, I love that you named it Big Bird casserole because the, the idea is it's like, yay, kids, Big Bird made it. Or is it a casserole made of Big Bird? <laughs> no. I was no. But true story, the, the, the NASA and and Henson, you know, the Sesame Street folks were discussing leveraging love of Big Bird to in, encourage kids to be more interested in space exploration and STEM, um, you know, science and, and education. And they were prepared to put, I think it was Carol Spinney, the, the original um, Big Bird. If not, it was an, an official costume with a different person to go into onto a space mission. And at the like, I don't want to say 11th hour, but at some point very close to launch, they decided they had to scrap the idea because of the if height. something went wrong. Oh. They couldn't physically, well, physically wasn't a good idea. Um, that flight, the Challenger. No. It's not urban legend? No. This is true. true? Yeah. It would have destroyed a generation of like imagination and hope. It would have been even more devastating. Now, do you need to like give a footnote for people who don't know what the Challenger is? Um, go ahead. I'm not sure of the year 1986. I was going to say 84. The United States sent a spaceship. Now, I'm not Googling this. This is just my memory. Uh, The United States sent up a rocket and they decided to put like a regular person on board. So there was a teacher. Yeah, Christine McAuliffe. I remember it was Christine. And they launched it. um, I'm sure it must have been Cape Canaveral in Florida. And. I remember I was watching it on TV. I was at at work and uh, was uh, in retail before the store had opened or whatever. And I was watching it and all their families were invited to the launch and the the ship went up and um, it exploded and um, everybody froze. It was total shock. And it's a reminder of how successful we and other countries have been and not to take for granted that oh sure they're spending sending up a spaceship, and it, it was uh, obviously a, a, a terrible, terrible. It was also around the time where um, morning programming for kids in public schools was becoming a thing based on technology. Like if you can believe it, there weren't TVs everywhere, so the idea of having TVs in classrooms and having everyone watch the same thing at once was relatively new, and so everyone everyone was watching it. Mm. So it was not just like a horrible thing that affected the world and certainly America America, but it was like every kid was watching it at the same time. It's it became an American tragedy. But Big Bird was almost on it. Interesting. So Big Bird casserole. We didn't like that either. We didn't fall for it. And no. You and Dad didn't trick us. We were never we were never duped as far as I know. Once. <laughs> I tell <laughs> shit. <laughs> Wait, was it a, you changed the clocks to have us go to bed early because you had it? You were ready for yeah. Night? It was. Um, you went to we we put you, you guys went to sleep at seven thirty. That sounds great. <laughs> you, you know, you were little more than babies. You went to sleep at seven thirty, and um, one night and one night I felt like you know it's been a long day. It's been a lot. I think I'll put them to sleep early. And I didn't, no matter how young you are, I didn't think you were going to fall for that. 
And I did. I changed the clock. Remember clocks with hands? I changed the, the clock <laughs> and uh, had dinner half an hour early. Pranks were so easy back then. Bath like half an hour early. A clock. I changed like, a clock. Plan, step one, change clock. And step then, two, go to bed. Put you to bed and it was like, wait a minute. That was really easy. <laughs> I just got an extra half an hour. Um, I, I, I lied. Because, but I'm tired. You're ready to eat. I have to say that that was it. (laughs) Yeah, we uh, we weren't trickable, but you also didn't trick us. So I think those two things go hand in hand, right? I think somebody who falls for things has been taught to fall for things. Like I have have memories of of coming home from like family events and being, you know, pretty upset in the car. It's like you know they they all they treat me like I'm a kid. They don't take me seriously. And you would be like, well, you're eight. So to you, to them, you are a kid. I was like, ah, blasted. Like it never made sense, you know? So I feel like being up, being forthright, like made us less gullible. It might have. I hope so. I don't know. I don't know if some people are by nature more gullible than others. I don't know how much it is influenced by by how people are treated um, I always felt that what I said and did had a big influence on my children. Sure. And I didn't know who they were supposed to be or going to be, and I just wanted to offer as much as I could offer. Mm. I, uh, although I had rules and I had and I had goals for um, both of you. But I was very open-minded about what would come in and fill that space. I do have a question about, uh, I'm curious about your story, and feel free to, to pass on this one. But the story when you were a little girl and some dude in the neighborhood insisted on trying your ice cream cone. What is your question? Oh, if you're interested in telling the the short story uh it's more of like a topic conversation i think it has some interesting i think it's interesting you think there's interesting ramifications for today's events i do i think that if this happened in pretty much any version today it would be a much much different situation okay so did i tell you how old i was 11 or something I thought you were younger in the story. Eleven's even worse. <laughs> Ten? Nine? I thought like nine. Um, I wasn't a little, little kid, and I wasn't a teenager. Um, so there was a store that my mother and I went to sometimes in the neighborhood shopping center, and the man that owned the store was... You know, it's like when you see somebody in a restaurant or a store you see all the time, you're not friends with them, but you're friendly with them. So one day we were at the shopping center and I was eating an ice cream cone Mm -hmm. and this man came outside of his store and said hello and was chatting with my mother and said hello to me. And he said, oh, that looks good. And he leaned over and bent his head down and bit off the top of the ice cream in my ice cream cone. Mm. 
and I was, I was in shock. I froze. I was totally disgusted. I didn't, can't say that I knew why I was disgusted. I was revolted. My reaction was totally negative. And I remember standing there while my mother and he chatted for a few minutes um, and just holding this ice cream cone, which probably started to drip down my wrist, but I wasn't going to do anything. I wasn't going to eat it. I wasn't going to touch it. And it was in my hand. And then he took off and we took off. And I threw out the ice cream cone and that, it, that, in that's the skinny, that's the story. And did anyone, your mom comment on you not eating it or throwing it out or anything? I don't remember. Hmm. Did I tell you anything additional? Not that I can recall. I no. don't remember. I don't know, but it, I, I, I thought it was horrible and I never wanted to see him again. It is horrible. And I, when you told me that story, I don't know how old I was, my twenties maybe. Um, I had a real bad reaction from it. Like it's horrible and I've never really let it go. <laughs> I've never, like I'm aware of that. And then especially as we are recalibrating, you know, sexuality and, and respect and equality uh, in society, it's even more obviously totally fucked up, like totally insane behavior. Now, I don't know if this person was like, you know, pathological. I don't know if there's anything clinical going on. Or they're just like incredibly privileged, but either version is is um like stomach turning. So I don't know if there's anything there. I just So sitting here today with you and and hearing myself retell it and thinking about it, um, a couple things. One is that my reactions I think throughout my life have been very my reactions to behaviors have been very clear to me. Mm -hmm. My thoughts on the behaviors of others have been very clear to me and I think um, hit the mark. And I th that was a very negative experience. And looking, listening to it now and thinking about that somebody... I mean, if my husband wanted to take a bite of my ice cream cone, that's fine. Yes. He so probably would say, well, can I have a little bite of that? But if he didn't, that would be okay too. Right. Or if you saw a peer at this age do that to a nine-year-old girl, it would be like a friendship ender, right? It's bizarre behavior. Yeah, it's bizarre. clearly, but I'm not a psychologist. I'm not certified, haha, <laughs> to say anything, you know, but to pass judgment, but that's bizarre behavior. It's I'll pass, horrible. I'll pass judgment on okay. him for you. It's whether it's pathological or just a level of, frankly, white male privilege. All that I see is mine. I am okay to lean in here and get what I want, which is a taste of ice cream. Which one of these women is going to stop me? None. Which <sighs> isn't a conscious thought, but was definitely a 1950s, early 60s thought. Um, so I'll pass judgment whether he was aware. It's like in Casino when... Uh, and the yokel nephew is working as a, a pit boss in the slots and the machine hits a jackpot three times during his shift and uh, De Niro's ace is you know, berating him. And he's saying uh, later in reference, either he was too stupid, either he was in on it or he was too stupid to know what was going on. Either way, he's out. 
either this guy was privileged and not recognizing why his behavior was was insane or it's worse. Either way, he's um, a creep. Either way, he's a creep. Either way, he he thought slash felt that he could get away with this. He seemed to have done it spontaneously, but it it's yeah, it's gross. It's That's a power disgusting. Move. Yeah, it's gross. Fuck that guy. And then it ruins. Plus, it's I guess it's narcissistic because it ruined the ice cream for he me. He marked his territory. It ruined the whole. Exp- oh right. Ugh. Mm. So did that affect your relationship to ice cream? I don't know. That's an interesting thought. Because it affected mine. (laughs) (laughs) Very funny. (laughs) I just opened up my phone and the New York Times says to me, this reminds me of the sending the couple to Mars. Mars. Two years, six months, whatever Uh it is. It's cold as hell inside the debacle at a Brooklyn jail where hundreds of inmates spend days in darkness, largely without heat heat. and electricity. Yeah, they're being sued by a few different people. It's it's horrendous. They had their family go there, families of inmates outside and protested. And at one point they did an announcement like, if you're cold, rattle the windows and the entire building shook. Like it's a a, um, humanitarian crisis. How do you repay somebody for that? They didn't give up their constitution. Maybe they did give up their constitutional rights. What happens when somebody's anything? Um, well, goes, incarcer- I guess. No, no, incarceration geez. is is giving up some rights yeah. as a citizen. So yeah. people who are incarcerated can't vote. Um, and there's some other implications, and it's essentially legal slavery. I mean, they pay wages for certain jobs, but it's the only version in America where we still can take someone's rights away and hold them against their will and not pay them. Well, this is about in being in darkness. I mean, they're cold. There's no heat. But being in darkness, psychologically, that's, that's no, they're, torture. They're torturing hundreds of people and have for weeks and weeks and weeks. So if the newspapers didn't exist or the newspapers were bullied into not reporting on things, there'd be even worse things going on in the world than we know about. Our newspaper carrier, the person that delivers the New York Times to us every day, gave us um, a holiday card and on the front of it it says newspapers shine a light on the world mm. and I saved that because that's so important the f- I, th- I think the free press is is the backbone of democracy it's the only way to keep it expected normal and legal to critique the government it's integral to democracy and that's in spite of the fact or with the fact combined with the fact we know that People have different versions and experiences of what they saw or what happened or the truth. And it's the newspaper's complicated job to explain many different viewpoints and paths. But there is such a thing as truth and there is such a thing as laws and there is such a such a thing as um, right and wrong. And it's often not that difficult to discern the difference. And the newspaper's jobs are... So important. Remember last year, Yanni versus Laurel debate? There was a piece of audio that people heard differently. Oh, yes. It was um, literally oppositional. Two people could hear the same, the same thing, and it, some, it, it was a comment that was oppositional. Yes. So, and have you heard the Grover 
on Sesame Street one? No. It's not altered or something? It is not altered. What do you hear Grover saying? Hold the camera. That's an effing. Yes, yes, that's an effing excellent idea. Yeah, yeah. Right. So people heard that and they're like, did Grover just drop the the f bomb and say, yes, yes, that sounds like a fucking excellent idea. Yeah. Now hear it again. Listen to it again. Is it going to slow down or something? I'm going to play the exact same thing and hear, yes, yes, that sounds like an excellent idea. I totally hear sounds now that you've talked. Yes, yes, that sounds like an excellent idea. It went back to the F word. So parents watching that are going, what? And kids are going, what? Exactly. Not just that. There are theories that hearing it on an iPhone versus headphones versus computer speakers based on just frequencies and, and speaker quality oh, changes no. what sound waves, right? So Yanni versus Laurel is the same thing. There's partly people interpret things differently orally. And partly the way that we're listening to things and consuming them has changed the ways that we're perceiving them. So yes, there's general truth. The sky is blue, right? Or if you live in in Sweden, the sky gets green at night. You know what I mean? Like we've changed like there almost is no generally accepted like common sense isn't common. There's no one thing that people go, well, obviously one plus one equals two. And then you include like technological interpretations like this. And people are literally hearing things and seeing things differently. So they're, each of their realities are to them as valid as all others. It's not like they're going out of their way and saying, I know the truth, but I'm going to really mess with it. Yes, newspapers are required for truth. And there is no generally accepted one reality anymore at all. So that raises the question has it always been like this and our brains have not recognized it until now? No, I think that we've, I think that society wasn't ready for all the information all at once. It's information. You think it's sensory or information overload? All of it. That's I think, causing this? I think adaptation wise, we've barely caught up to, to air travel. The idea of waking up in one hemisphere and then a few hours later being in a different hemisphere. I think we've barely caught up to that as a species. And then 15 years ago, it was like, oh, and here's all the information ever at for once. all of you at once. So not only use your brains to process it, but you're in Papua New Guinea. You now at the you now know what like a mansion looks like. It's changed every bit of of processing. The other thing is, one of the th- reasons that I cut down on my uh, email inflow, and one of the reasons that I have dropped off of a number of social network networks i'm only on instagram for my art and others art and even that i'm questioning one of the benefits is that it takes me down less rabbit holes when i look up information on anything stocks the weather i get lists of ads Mm -hmm. that are um what are what are they called targeted um clickbait Mm-hmm. that are clickbait and oh that's interesting oh i wonder what that is and i've now taught myself don't click on anything right if i want to look up something online i will search for it i will not take anyone's recommendation on anything no matter how interesting it looks mm-hmm. all it was doing was giving me lists of things i couldn't get through my lists of things 
my lists of things were reading about all these things that looked interesting. <laughs> and I would go down rabbit holes and I would lose track of what I had intended to get done that oh, sure. hour. And the yeah, next thing day. I know, it was, I didn't paint today because what was I doing? And I know I was reading and I know I accomplished a lot, but it was rabbit holes. And yeah. yes, it's interesting, but I, I can't have it taking over my brain and my no. time. And for people who are, I can't imagine what it's like for people who are children, teenagers, young people, young people whose brains are still developing, people who are trying to work and take care of different things, keeping up with all this. Well, it's not possible to keep up with. So It's the, not possible. When desired... I go for a walk now, I don't even listen to music. That's special. I, I can't. I, I had to turn off the information stream. For young people, especially the idea that it can consume all of it or at least keep up to date with everything is a new pressure that's unsolvable. You know, it's like, forget news, just being connected to people all the time. You know, as a kid to go home and do your homework and have an experience with the family or, you know, play, it's still hyper-connected the entire time. You know, the most obvious example is bullying doesn't stop when school's over. Oh, right. Oh, right. It's all night, all day, all, all the time. It's insidious. And there's nowhere yeah. to run and hide. No, it's dark, but that's why, you know, suicide for... Teens I is just like understand up like seventy percent for females. It's crazy. So, who is going to solve this challenge, and what's going to happen? I think it's a very big question with a lot of components, and I think it's what you said is we can't keep up with it. It went too fast, right? And now the question is, what are who is going to, and what are we going to do about it? Um, just go for the ride. You can't put toothpaste back in the tube. Everyone's on their phones. It's not going to be about limiting screen time. It's got to be done in a way that's that's real. I'm picking up the phone and then realizing there's nothing for me to look at and putting it back down. It took me a while to figure that out. And you to also do that. had a whole life before the internet like I did as well. We People had the advantage of that reality. Without, without knowing that option, it's impossible to be like, you know what, I should just, like, I saw a meme that was something like a, uh, and he just sat there sipping his coffee, not looking at a phone or anything, dot, 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 like a sociopath. You know, people are not used to oh, my goodness. just sitting with their thoughts and knowing that's an option. I am. I feel fortunate to have the knowledge that not doing the internet is an option because I did it like that forever. I'm the last age group that knows what it's like to be like a sentient person without the internet. And now that there are ways to produce videos of people that is is fake, fakery, now everything that you see online you can't trust. And That's what right. does that do to the psyche? Let alone how do you discern what's real and what's safe? It enforces distrust in general, and then it's compounded on top of a lot of people who don't have basic social skills. It's really dangerous. It's the biggest problem of our reality. I think about... Um, a friend of mine who um, lives in Poland and travels extensively and the photos that she posts on Instagram and they're of wide open spaces mm. with snow on trees, a few trees. That's This was a recent one. And 
and photographs of wide open spaces. And I think, I don't even know how I would behave in a wide open space like that. And I think of Thoreau going to Walden Pond and just living, just taking a break and living. And I think how extremely far away that is from my experience. And my experience is not as crowded as many people's experiences. No, you're, I mean, we're in California. This has always been the land of more land, right? The idea of the, the Western dream was to go West and get out of ghetto and shtetl and, and, you know, urban density situations, this big wide open space. And it's still very true to this day, even though it's, you know, traffic and lots of people compared to living in Manhattan or Philadelphia. But there is a lot of traffic and people, and that does give the right. feeling of being in a crowd. But of course, we can go to the beach and we can go to the mountains right away. So, yes. But compared to, you know, New Delhi. Yeah, of course. People in New York are a lot of space. Um, well, what you're describing is, you know, return to nature. So that's that's why I love camping. I realize that. the idea of just being out in the open, even if it's wooded, just being in a place that's like, this is relatively unchanged for a thousand or five thousand years for the most part. You know, you go to a place and you can like see stars and there's no ambient light. It's the opposite of staring at Instagram. So I think it's pockets. There's no there is no everyone anymore, ever again. It's just gonna be a little little subgroups doing the best they can. And those subgroups getting larger and having like minded subgroups attached to them. But the community. Community, but like days of monoculture or groupthink are are behind us. Stop ten people in the street and say, What show are you watching? and get ten different answers. I'm impressed they can find where to watch the things. What do you mean? When I want to watch something, it takes me a minute to figure out where do I find this thing to watch it. And by then, I've probably gone down two rabbit holes and decided I'm going for a walk. <laughs> nice. I'm done. Doesn't it seem?